Coming up this evening, an NTD business. Celebrities threatening to leave Twitter is following Elon Musk's takeover. Why? The nation's largest retirement plan provider jumping into crypto. Soon many people may be able to invest in Bitcoin through the retirement plans. The Biden administration blocking oil drilling expansion in Alaska, reversing a Trump-era move to open it up more. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here, live from New York City. U.S. home prices are surging. The Case-Shiller Index shows them up nearly 20% in the 12 months through February. Home prices in Phoenix led the way with prices rising 33%. That was followed by Tampa, 32%, and Miami, Florida, 29%. But it appears high prices may be slowing down home buying. Separate data shows new home sales fell 8.6% from last month. Also, a report from mortgage data firm Black Knight says Americans are spending nearly one-third, one-third of their income on mortgages now. as the highest number since 2007. We all know what happened then. The Biden administration Monday reduced the amount of land for oil and gas drilling in Alaska by millions of acres. Swaps out a Trump-era policy for an Obama-era one. The land in question is the National Petroleum Reserve in Alaska. It's the country's largest piece of public land, about two-thirds the size of New York State. The Bureau of Land Management said the decision ups protection for threatened and endangered species, although the Trump plan had leasing restrictions to reduce the impact. The new decision means only about half the reserve will be available for drilling. That's down from Trump-era efforts to open up about 80% of it for drilling. Reserve generated over $56 million in revenue in 2019 from oil and gas leases. And with us live is Daniel Turner, founder of energy advocacy organization Power the Future. Daniel, great to see you as always. You have a director up there in Alaska, I believe. Let's get to the impact on gas prices in a bit. But first, who directly loses with this decision? Yeah, the people of Alaska are the ones who suffer the most from this. And that's what's incredibly frustrating about the, the Interior Department's decision is that it doesn't take into account the fact that, that the Alaskan Native tribes, and I've spent a lot of time in this region, they were the ones that were in favor of expanding the, the available land for, for access because they realize with more oil and gas production, uh, comes jobs, comes opportunity. And yes, this is their tribal land and it is sacred to them and they want to stay there. But if there are no jobs and there is no economic opportunity, they're not going to stay there. In fact, it's one of the biggest problems plaguing the Alaskan Native community and a lot of Native communities is that young people move on because they, they can't stay there because there's no opportunity. So it, it's really remarkable that that against the wishes of the local people, the Biden administration thinks they know better and they change this decision. Are you saying that the, these locals, they're willing to take the risk of damage to their, their environment? Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't even phrase it like that because they know what oil and gas production is. I mean, everything has risk, right? Life itself has risk. Um, but Alaska produces oil and gas better probably than anyone in the world, probably even better than most other states in this country in terms of an environmental responsibility. And so they look at what's been happening in this area for going on 30, 40 years now, and they don't see risk. They just see opportunity. And, and so 
It just flies in the face of these people who know this, who grew up there, who live there, that they do not get a say. It's some bureaucrat in D.C. who decides for them. So what are they going to do? Have you heard from them? Well, I'm sure they can try to appeal, but they really there's no possibility because this is all federally controlled land. And and quite frankly, I think of 200 and something years ago, we overthrew a king for that reason. Right. Deb Holland, I'd love to know. She was in the state last last week. Did she go to this region? I don't know. I've been there a number of times. I know my Alaska state director, Rick, has been there a number of times. So so it just strikes me as odd that that people who live in their area, in their land, don't get a say over it. But a bureaucrat in Washington, D.C., 4000. Look, I am closer on the East Coast. I'm closer to London than I am right now to this part of Alaska. And do I have a right to tell these people how to live their life? It's, it's shameful what this administration's doing. How significant an area is this for overall U.S. oil production? Well, the entire reserve is around the size of the state of Maine, right? That's how big of an area we're talking about. And it's really only about 5% of it that is being used right now. Um, this That's area- That's regulation for, perspective? Uh, Say that again, that I'm sorry. Purely because of regulations that only 5% yes, is being used? Because of regulations available. Um, and the Trump administration wanted to expand that to much larger area. The Biden administration rolled it back. But here's the biggest problem is we're producing right now several hundred thousand barrels, around 500,000 barrels of oil from Alaska. We could produce more if we had more access to land. Um, and, and why are we not doing that? Purely because of administrative reasons. Right. So so the Biden administration is well aware that we have a supply problem. That is why prices are so high. But to augment supply, they would rather turn to Saudi Arabia, Iran, Venezuela. They don't want to turn to American production. And it's just it's, it's insanity. When we speak with producers, they, they tell us that one of the difficulties is getting investment because of the uncertainty around uh, government regulation. So it feels like an example to me. Daniel Turner, Powell, the future. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. And celebrities and other high-profile people are threatening to leave Twitter. As after news of Elon Musk's takeover, it seems they're worried former President Trump may be allowed back on the platform, although Trump did tell Fox News he isn't going to go back. He says he'll use his Truth Social platform instead. That's his new social media platform. New York Times opinion writer Charles Blow tweeted, It looks like I'm about to say goodbye to Twitter as well. Yvette Nicole Brown, an actress associated with Disney, tweeted, I'm leaving too, friend. But on the other hand, some conservatives are back. Tucker Carlson returned after a month-long suspension. Musk says he believes a freedom of speech is a cornerstone of a healthy democratic society. He tweeted on Monday that I hope even my worst critics will remain on Twitter because that is what free speech means. And making the headlines often are big companies that are paying little or nothing in taxes. 2021 is no different. So can the average person or small business do the same? Anthony Zoe reports. Some of the biggest companies paid the least in taxes in 2021. They're able to have foreign companies, foreign entities that operate in the foreign countries and through transfer pricing, transfer their income to the other countries and pay taxes at lower rates. Companies like Amazon and Verizon are paying under 10% in effective federal tax rate. 
AT&T and AIG are paying zero in federal income tax, according to the Center for American Progress. These differences between profits and uh, the amount of tax being owed reflects deliberate choices that policymakers have made about the tax code uh, to encourage investment in the U.S. and to uh, provide uh, incentives or disincentives for, to, for certain behaviors. Watson says many of the tax benefits are also available to individuals or small businesses. There are deductions and tax credits available to individuals. Not every dollar that is earned by an individual is subject to tax. The same thing is true of businesses, right, where they have deductions for investments that they're making. Every option that's available to the big company is available to an individual. It's just, can you afford it? Is this something that you could really justify? Is this something that you really could do? CPA Paul Miller says bigger companies know how to plan better. Smaller companies have ways too. So if I buy an asset and I get to expense it, I won't pay any taxes. So I may pay some interest or I may have to pay a note, but hopefully that piece of equipment is going to generate future income for you. That's the idea. That's the American way, like to deploy capital for future benefit. Phil Zoe, NTD News. And good news for flight attendants. At Delta Airlines, they're getting a pay raise starting June. Delta flight attendants will be paid for their work during the boarding period. Flight attendants at U.S. airlines are typically paid their hourly rate from the time the aircraft pushes back from the gate to its arrival at the next one. But now, in an industry first, attendants will be paid between $10 and $30 an hour for all of their pre- and post-flight preparations. The pay bump comes as the airline asks its crews to work more due to growing air travel demand, but it also comes as the nation's largest flight attendant union is seeking to organize Delta crews. If you ever wanted to invest in Bitcoin but don't have a crypto exchange account, well, now there's another way to do it through your retirement plan. The country's largest retirement plan provider, Fidelity, says it's offering Bitcoin in its 401k plans. It's available as long as the employer is willing to do it. But the Department of Labor, however, is warning against crypto for retirement plans. It says crypto poses risks such as fraud and theft. Fidelity manages over $2 trillion in 401k retirement funds, which makes up over a third of the market. The product is supposed to be available later this year. And bad data on Wall Street ended sharply lower, led by the Nasdaq. It fell 514 points, nearly 4%. The Dow lost 809 points, 2 and 4 tenths of a percent. S&P dropped 121 points, 2 and 8 tenths of a percent. Alphabet and Microsoft each dropped ahead of the results after the closing bell. About a third of the S&P 500 companies are up to report results later this week. There's an old rule that excludes souvenirs from being taxed. You know, you come back from vacation with a bobblehead doll. You can bring it in tax-free, right? But now, that rule is apparently being exploited. Anthony's Fake Quarter tells us just how much. Companies are dodging billions of dollars in tariffs by using a rule intended for tourists and their souvenirs. It's called the de minimis rule, and it's supposed to exclude American tourists coming back from their travels from paying duties on souvenirs. If you're an importer bringing in merchandise and you claim that you're uh, shipment is worth less than $800, then it's free from inspection by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. It doesn't get assessed uh, duties or tariffs. 
Nick Icavella is a senior vice president for communications at Coalition for a Prosperous America. Icavella says there's been an explosion of goods coming in under de minimis. It's what kind of goods are coming in, where are they coming from? China accounts for 83% of all intellectual property seizures by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency. They're sending a ton of goods to the United States under the de minimis. So they're exploiting this loophole. Souvenirs were originally such a small portion of imports that nobody cared. But now they've soared from an estimated 40 million in 2012 to over 67 billion in 2020. The CBP has no ability to police this number of packages coming in every day. They don't have the manpower, they don't have the capability. Over a tenth of Chinese imports fall under the de minimis category, up from under 1% 10 years ago. Faye Quarter, NTD News. Can the Chinese Yuan become a true global currency? The International Monetary Fund's number two official lays, up, lays outwards falling short. IMS First Deputy Managing Director says if China wants its Yuan to become a globally used currency, Beijing would have to have open capital markets and full currency convertibility. He says history has shown that reserve currencies used in global trade transactions do not have capital restrictions. China's does. And one portfolio manager says the Chinese yuan could be set to fall 20 to 30 percent against the dollar. But he says investors aren't prepared for it, and that could send shockwaves across global financial markets if they're caught off guard. Anthony's Don Ma has the story. The value of the Chinese yuan could fall significantly against the U.S. dollar. This is according to portfolio manager at Crescat Capital, Tavi Costa. We think the Chinese currency should be the value, you know, 20 to 30 percent from here. So, you know, that, that would be a shock to the world initially. Costa says the shock waves would be felt across the U.S. and global financial markets as people aren't prepared for it. So why is the yuan getting weaker? Costa sees clear signs China's economy is in trouble. Bank stocks and property stocks are down significantly this year. I think uh, having those issues of, of assets depreciating at that pace, uh, usually you are in a major economic downturn. Because of these economic problems, Costa believes China's central bank will be forced to ease monetary policy even further to spur the economy. But that could weaken the yuan even more. Costa says his fund is prepared for this, but few others are. And if it happens, there will be a stampede of investors trying to reposition their portfolios to protect themselves. This could devalue the yuan even more. As we see people position more and more for the risk of that, uh, I think that that's going to move, uh, you know, it's going to create further pressure in the Chinese currency. It's not a certainty, according to Costa, but Crescan has put a short position on the yuan, meaning it's betting it will fall. It's partly to hedge Crescat's other investments. Don Ma, NTD News. And Chinese companies have been turning to American manufacturers for supplies. Sanctions on Chinese telecoms company Huawei have proved to be lucrative for some U.S. companies. Anthony's Sean Marshall has more. A recent dismantling of Honor's X30 smartphone shows 40% its manufacturing cost goes to U.S. companies. The budget brand separated from Huawei in 2020 to evade U.S. sanctions. The parts report done by Formohot Techno Solutions found that core components, including the processor and the 5G chipset, now come from American companies Qualcomm and Micron, 
instead of Chinese suppliers such as High Silicon, a Huawei chip supplier. I spoke with the vice president of the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation about why a company might make such a huge switch to U.S.-made parts. Uh, it shows that the United States continues to lead the world in semiconductor chipset development, especially for high-end 5G smartphone devices. And it shows that um, you know, in China is struggling to develop uh, its own state-of-the-art electronics. Ezel also said it's important that our companies are able to sell into Chinese markets ideally to firms that are competing through WTO consistent practices. Every dollar that a U.S. vendor makes in China uh, selling semiconductors is a dollar that a Chinese competitor is not making, right? So it makes our firms more competitive and more importantly, it gives our firms revenues they need to reinvest in future generations of innovative technologies. Two other fast-growing Chinese smartphone manufacturers, Xiaomi and Oppo, have also turned to U.S. suppliers for key components. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Meanwhile, Mexico wants to do more domestic food production. Global food prices are soaring. Mexico's president says he doesn't want the most co commonly eaten foods to be vulnerable to these price fluctuations. So he strongly supported being energy independent. Now he says he's applying a similar strategy to food. Rising food prices are contributing to Mexico's inflation. Mexico's inflation rate was almost 7.5% in March, which is lower than America's 8.5%. And still to come, stay with us. One of Chevy's most iconic cars is officially going electric. When can you get your hands on one? Actor and comedian Kevin Hart launching a new media company, getting a hefty investment. That and more coming up on NTD Business. General Motors president announced Monday that GM will build a fully electric Chevrolet Corvette. Excited? He didn't say when it would debut, but he hinted that a hybrid model could come relatively soon. He wrote, quote, we will offer an electrified Corvette as early as next year. In the auto industry, the term electrified encompasses everything from hybrid to fully electric vehicles. The company posted a video on Twitter showing what appeared to be a hybrid Corvette. Exciting. And another auto manufacturer is moving to EVs, Aston Martin, wants to be more efficient and profitable as it makes the expensive drive towards electrification. The luxury car maker James Bond's favorite said its shift to electric will be helped by a deal with Mercedes-Benz. Francis McGuire reports. Aston Martin wants to be more efficient and profitable as it makes the expensive drive towards electrification. The luxury car maker, James Bond's favourite, said its shift to electric will be helped by a deal with Mercedes-Benz. The German auto giant will give Aston Martin access to its engines and other technology. Aston Martin chief executive Tobias Merz. 
This is a journey everybody is on it. Everybody in the, in the performance segment facing that. How can I keep my DNA when it comes fully electric? I'm not so scared about that. It is, it is even the brand is more important when it comes to the future of fully electric. Under the guidance of billionaire part owner Lawrence Stroll, the luxury brand has undergone a manufacturing makeover to lift margins and prepare for electrification. The aim is to become more like rival Ferrari. Stroll says the company is targeting a gross profit margin per vehicle of at least 40% and in some cases 50% on its new vehicles. Analysts put Ferrari's figure at over 55%. By 2025, Aston Martin aims to sell 10,000 cars annually, nearly 40% more than in 2021 and close to Ferrari's production. You know, we created the, the story of efficiency for us. We know that we're very led by manufacturing, heavy on manufacturing side. We talked a lot now about our turnover and the turnaround and the manufacturing to get us to much more efficient um, level of understanding how we run the business. Aston Martin cars now sell for an average of around £150,000 or about $190,000. Customization is a major way to drive higher sale prices. Customised orders now account for 50% of sales versus 6% when MERS joined the firm. Even so, some analysts say the carmaker is burning through cash and question its ability to generate the Ferrari-like sales needed to fund the vast cost of electrification. And Hollywood star and comedian Kevin Hart launched a new media company today with $100 million in backing. Hart's known for his roles in Jumanji and Central Intelligence and he will be the chairman. A company called Heartbeat said it would produce and distribute television and film content focused on, quote, comedic storytelling. It also announced it was in various stages of development or production of more than 60 projects. The $100 million investment comes from a private equity firm continuing a recent trend of buyout firms moving into the entertainment space. They're betting on strong demand for content. But one of the largest streaming platforms in the world is dealing with major losses. Netflix has lost a chunk of its subscribers and expects to lose millions more this year. Experts now say it's a growing trend with more households cutting streaming services in response to inflation. Today's Consumer Watch, we look at what this could mean for the future of streaming. American households are tightening their budgets and streaming services are taking a hit. It's just a really messy moment in the market with changing consumer behaviors. Last week, Netflix announced it lost 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter and says it expects to lose a huge 2 million subscribers before July. A new survey conducted by research firm Momentum and CNBC found 35% of Americans cut a monthly subscription to rein in their spending, while another 36% are considering it. Another survey done in the UK by research firm Kantar found some services like Disney Plus are struggling to keep up with Netflix, which was still first choice for consumers to keep. Experts say it's evidence that Disney Plus is still trying to figure out what people want to watch. The popular ABC show Dancing with the Stars will air exclusively on Disney Plus starting in the fall. If the only thing that your library has is kids content, or Marvel content or Pixar content. There's a difficult question of how do you keep audiences happy? And it's not just U.S. households cutting back. According to Kantar, people in Britain canceled 1.5 million subscriptions this year. You have obviously inflation and, and the war and a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace. 
So what else is to blame? Streaming services boomed during the pandemic, but that's changing with a return to normal and inflation rising. Experts also point to a behavioral shift among younger generations. And YouTube is free. Uh, and YouTube's usage ticked up in the U.S. in March 2022 more than Netflix's. Get paid to eat tacos. Seriously, it's a job. The chief taco officer for Flavor Delivery, that's an on-demand delivery service in Texas, will get paid 10000 bucks to travel around the Lone Star State this summer, taste-testing tacos and telling people all about it. Job perks include, well, obviously lots of tacos, along with others, free food, accommodation, transportation in each city, not to mention massages and yoga classes, plus free flavor delivery for a year. Besides being a taco lover, anyone who applies has to live in Texas, be at least 21, and send in a short video explaining why they're the perfect fit for the gig. Talk about a dream job. <laughs> A special cafe in Japan provides a productive workplace for writers who are catching up on their manuscripts. There's no way to walk out there, walk out without meeting their set goals. Let's take a look. Procrastination is always a headache for writers caught up in deadlines. Now, this manuscript writing cafe is offering a cure. I have finished about 80% of the work. I think it's good to be able to concentrate on writing the articles without doing other unnecessary things. The cafe opened in April in West Tokyo. It offers a clean, well-lit environment for writers, editors and manga artists. Upon entering, customers are asked to write down their goals and the time it will take to complete them. The Manuscript Writing Cafe is a cafe for people to concentrate. When they enter the cafe, they need to write down their goals in the beginning, such as finishing a 3,000-word script or a column of two pages, and they can't pay until they achieve their goals. Cafe staff will hold customers accountable by checking their progress. There are different levels of supervision. They may confirm they have completed their task when they make payment, or they may ask for progress checks every hour. <laughs> customers may even choose to have staff watch over them as they work. The cafe went viral on social media, and people are saying that the rules are scary or that it's like you're being watched from behind. But actually, instead of monitoring customers, I'm here to support them. I would like everyone to finish their work. The owner says his inspiration came from a famous Japanese children's story. It describes an eccentric restaurant that sets specific instructions for customers to follow. One Chinese customer says she hoped the owner would take his business global. The demand to meet a deadline is a shared demand globally. No matter Japanese or people overseas, everyone would encounter a painful point when working with the deadline. So I think it will be great if this cafe can open overseas in the future. The cafe offers unlimited self-serve coffee and tea bags, along with a wide variety of beverages. The charge is around $1 for the first 30 minutes and about $2 every hour after. Customers can pay only after they achieve the goals they set when entering. As the latest in the NTD business team, and myself, Paul Graney, can still catch NTD Evening News. It's with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. It's been in the news, you heard. For NTD Business, it's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.